Buying a home is more than a financial decision. It's a life event that involves determination and emotional investment. From house hunting to moving day, South State's experienced lenders are here to help each customer navigate the mortgage process with ease and confidence. Whatever your needs might be, they're here to help you bank the way you want. Visit your local branch or southstatebank.com for more information. All loans subject to credit approval. South State Bank, Equal Housing Lender, Member FDIC. The most important thing that someone can have if they don't understand something is curiosity. People just ask why. I think we have already common ground. Hola, this is Adela Yelton, and welcome to Latina South Podcast, where we feature inspiring conversations with Latinas who are making things happen in their families, businesses, and communities throughout the South. Today, we welcome Gigi Pedraza. Gigi is the founding executive director of the nonprofit Latino Community Fund of Georgia and one of the most influential Latinas in the state. In the first of two parts of our conversation, Gigi shares with us the catalytic moments which fueled her journey to become both a key leader and vocal advocate for the Latino community in Georgia. Let's listen as Gigi also shares her thoughts on philanthropy and her approach to both creating awareness and securing resources for the organizations tackling the most complex issues for the Latino community in Georgia. Hola, Gigi. Welcome to Latina South. I appreciate you being here with us. Thank you. Happy to be here. For a lot of people in the Latino community here in Georgia, when they think about who's who, (laughs) your name comes up a lot. (laughs) And so how did that start for you? I think it's an interesting story because it took me around 10 years since I arrived. I arrived here when I it was probably year 2000 to the U.S. I was 26 year old, years old, I believe. And, and, and really, it took me like around six, year, uh, six to 10 years to sort of own this label of like a Latina and what it meant. Uh, I... I'm an immigrant. My all my family is Peruvian. I had really spent all of my life growing there. I never really thought about coming to to the U.S. and so all of these immigration issues were not top of mind, front and center for me. I really just wanted the opportunity to do well and make a living and love my job and have a family and and, and feel safe. and And it took a while because I always thought that leadership and people speaking to media and you know was for other people not for me people that maybe were lawyers or were men or were attorneys or were involved in politics and over the years i never felt necessarily represented i never felt that they were talking in ways that felt close to me that got me excited and clearly i wasn't part of um, the folks, right, in the room where things happened. Uh, and I became and really angry and I grew angrier and angrier and it wasn't pretty. Um, and, and probably at the end of 2000s, I was 
working at a local nonprofit organization and Galeo had this campaign that, you know, get one, five friends and register to vote. And, and I did, I hadn't become a citizen precisely because I felt disengaged that it was really not about me, that people were not connected to, to my issues or who I was fundamentally as a person. Uh, And I did, I, I had become naturalized yet and, and I never looked back. I, I found a way to understand that I also had power. And it was me who was keeping it from showing. So I never looked back since then. But it was it was a little bit of anger, I can I can say. So And you mentioned Galileo and I just want to mention uh, for people that don't know Galileo is also another uh, nonprofit organization doing great work in uh, the Latino community in Georgia. So once you experienced that spark, then what? Well, it was really driven because if I had kids, right? And all of a sudden, it was something bigger than just me. It was what was I doing to create a world and a state and, and an environment in which my kids could actually feel that they belonged, that they were seen, that they felt part of it. So that was really a big driver. And I became angry because I realized I wasn't doing enough and a lot of people were not doing enough. And how can we change it for better? So, you know, that spark of, okay, what's my role and what can I do to make sure that my kids don't feel like I felt disengaged, don't, are not seen as just a unidimensional person or a stereotype, which I was many times. I Several times I've told this story that for many years, every time I went to Home Depot, people offer me jobs, keep cleaning homes. Not that there is anything wrong with cleaning homes. I certainly clean mine. Uh, but why is it that people only saw that in myself? I went to a supermarket with my two kids when they were babies and people offer me constantly health insurance, assuming I didn't have health insurance because how I looked. Um, one time a woman yelled at me and you know asked me why I kept having babies that I didn't go to school, assuming I didn't have any schooling. So I mm. didn't want that for my kids. And what you're describing, by the way, Gigi, is very common. I know many of our listeners who are Latinas, uh, especially here in the South, uh, may have experienced some of those same things. I know me myself, you know, I, and I've mentioned this before. It's being at the park with my twin boys in the stroller and people assuming I'm the nanny. Correct. So um, it, you know, it started at, you know, looking at myself, what is it that I could do uh, personally and within my family to ensure that I was also educated on what else had been done and who else had taken a similar journey. And so I started educating myself and, you know, reading everything I could. I took a bunch of classes um, and we started going to town halls and political rallies. And I took my, my girls to vote with me for the first time in 2012, I believe, and they didn't let me vote. They said that I couldn't vote because there was a problem. They wouldn't tell me what problem it was. I had brought my naturalization certificate. I could brought everything. And I said, I am not leaving until you let me vote because it's my right. And that was the second sparkle, right? That was the second spark saying, Okay, nobody's telling me anything. And and you and you came prepared. You had all the documentation. You knew, you know, how it worked and and you were still kind of denied that that opportunity even with all those things. And imagine someone that maybe didn't know all those things and and what 
the reaction would have been there. So, so after that, so you had another spark and then what? Um, I had another spark and then there had been these conversations in, in various community circles around the community diversifying, the community has so many needs and there are all of these groups, small groups popping here and there trying to address those very pressing and urgent needs. But nobody outside our community knows who they are because most of them are led by immigrants, for by folks that maybe don't speak English so well, by folks that are undocumented, or, or they are addressing particular issues that are not necessarily popular or sexy. Um, but they were not receiving any funding, any attention, and they didn't have access to the networks of media and power. Um, and so for years, we had discussions of what is it if we all pull together the money that we have and we support those groups, because we are the only ones that know about them. Uh, and then finally, in, in early 2017, we incorporated the Latino Community Fund as a nonprofit organization that had primarily three important goals. One was to amplify the voice, the voice of our community, recognizing we are an incredibly diverse community in terms of gender, identity, heritage, religion, political leaning, um, race, right? However you want to put it. Uh, so how do we ensure that those diverse voices are front and center when people talk about the Latino community is not one person? We cannot be constrained to one checkbox because we are not a checkbox. We are two dozen countries represented in one label that it's given you know, by, by the U.S. Uh, and the system. Uh, the second and, and so how do we amplify those voices through expanding people's democracy to supporting uh, the work of civic participation? Um, doing some research that advances knowledge of who we are so that people are informed. Uh, the second pillar is really around protecting building capacity in our community members, ensuring those small groups, emerging coalitions receive support, are effective, efficient, are visible. And then the third one is around economic opportunity. Uh, we have always been here as a community. We have always contributed and it is only fair that our contributors are recognized uh, and invested in. So we incorporated the Latino Community Fund, and I have a big mouth, Adela. <laughs> and I seem to have found everything that I didn't say for all those first 10 years. So I think I'm a vocal person. And sometimes people listen, sometimes don't, and I keep talking. <laughs> Well, and how lucky are we in the Latino community to have your uh, voice and advocacy? And uh, But I know it's not easy. There are some challenges. But tell me, how do you handle when you come face-to-face -face with someone who is not even there, step one, with understanding uh, the nature of the community in Georgia? The most important thing that someone can have if they don't understand something is curiosity. People just ask why? I think we have already common ground because it, it shows an opening to understand something that we don't. So I, I appreciate and welcome those opportunities because nobody knows knowing. I didn't know anything about the Latino community either. I had to learn myself. We all have to learn ourselves, our history, and, and particularly in Georgia because we are a relatively new community the way we look right now. Um, we don't have this common shared history, shared wins, 
barrios, right? We don't have these common celebrations that people in California or in New York or in Texas may remember and say, remember when, you know, 40 years ago we went to this thing? We don't have that here necessarily. We're creating it now, yes. Yes, we are creating it now. And and so um, I welcome those conversations. They are not always easy because people come with their own ideas. Uh, and at one point, in, and I work at this every day, um, I need to make a decision, do I continue engaging or is also a self-preservation sort of self, you know, self-care decision to say, thank you, I'm going to move on, right? Because at, at one point you need to make that decision. This episode of Latina South is brought to you by McDonald's, proudly serving communities since 1965. I recently watched a video called Los Viejitos, a TV spot that tells the story of a group of elderly amigos in South Miami who are having fun going to the same McDonald's since 1998. People working there know their orders by heart and appreciate them like familia. McDonald's has become special to this group, just like they've become special to McDonald's. Me encanta. You also have to go out and get resources yourself, right, to support uh, the organization that that you currently lead. By the way, is the Latino Community Fund of Georgia. If we haven't said that already, you are the um, executive director and uh, lead that organization, and you've led it from the point of startup to where it is now. And so, so resources are so important. What is your approach to obtaining some of the resources that are that are needed? To me, we center very intentionally in the humanity and dignity of all human beings. And 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 for us, a lot of the talking and a lot of the pitching that we do is to have people recognize that we are just like any other community that deserves investments because we are human beings, we live, we contribute, and we have inherent value in being here. Um, and I also share some of the key important issues that are sometimes issues that are seen, for example, as immigrant issues, quote unquote, but are not. For example, the expansion of the definition of what, a, what an ID is in Georgia. This is not a Hispanic issue. This is not an immigrant issue. Yes, it overwhelmingly affects the Latino community, the immigrant community, but it's also an issue for seniors. It's also an issue for folks that are too poor to own a vehicle and therefore they don't have a driver's license. It's an issue for many folks that never learn how to drive. It's an issue for folks that are transgender and their ID may not match who they are. So these are very broad issues that sometimes are reduced to one community to, in a way, tokenize that work. And so my job is to show the bigger picture that we are part of the very economic and social fabric of this state and this nation and have always been. So, you know, how you have an opportunity to continue building the competitiveness of the state, the economic growth of the state, the fact that we live in a global uh, economy and that our biggest partners in Georgia, trade partners are China and Mexico. And so it is actually a workforce development, very effective, policy and strategy to support multicultural, multilingual communities, because we are the ones that are going to be able to work with those partners, um, you know, 
more. And it's also very cost effective. It's more cost effective but training people in a different languages or, you know, showing them how to be culturally competent. What I hear you saying is is really making the business case, making the economic case, uh, but also based in just basic uh, humanity and dignity for, you know, respecting that for the individual and connecting with organizations that, that think that same way. You know, Gigi, I, I know you're very much involved in the nonprofit world in Georgia. Sometimes, uh, just personally, I, I see there's so much resources out there, right? But then again, there aren't. It's like a dichotomy, right? It's like the 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 haves and the have-nots and just trying to uh, get partners from the world of haves to kind of redistribute to the have-nots. What would you say about that? I think that for the longest time, philanthropy and, and governments and, you know, you, you, you choose, have believed in this model that's a, a, a pyramid. You know, you pick one group or organization, whatever, and we put some money and you expect for the money to come to the bottom. And it's the version of trickle-down economics is trickle-down philanthropy or whatever. And that clearly doesn't work. That's not our approach because the money never gets to the bottom, which is where most folks, more organization, most organizations are. It usually stays at the top. And so the reality is that the challenges that we face as a community, but also as a state, right? All communities are so complex and so vast that we cannot just pick one and say, I'm investing in this and click, you know, check the box and that's it. We believe in a model that's all, all actually the opposite of a pyramid. So an inverted pyramid in which you have all of these number of organizations and all of these number of issues and you invest in all of them because we are dealing with societal problems that nobody has ever solved, ever. And so it requires an entrepreneurial approach, if, if you wish, which is of innovation, of trial and error, of trying different things. And eventually we will all learn together and we'll get to the bottom of the issue and hopefully solve it. But so that's our approach, you know, to show the landscape, the network of organizations working on a vast number of issues and strategies and say, we don't want more money from your pot. We need to grow the pie bigger. Because there are several issues, bigger issues, complex issues that, you know, really go across communities um, and they all deserve investment. If you could leave someone with just two things, right, about the Latino community in Georgia, what would those two things be? If, that, if, if you could just, you know, stamp it <laughs> into someone's mind, what would those two things be? One, I would love people to recognize and to internalize that 90, 90% of everyone in our community that's 18 or under, it's an American citizen. So the generation that was very active and advocating and everything like my age, is the generation that's, you know, growing older <laughs> and is a new generation that's American citizens. So when you decide not to invest in our community, you're denying American citizens the right of opportunities and possibilities uh, in this country, which is theirs. Uh, and non-naturalized citizens, which I am, American-born Latinos. Uh, and then the second piece is how generous our community is. The one reason why you don't see that many folks that are homeless from our community is because we help each other. 
Our community is generous when you have a kid doesn't have lunch, we feed it. We have all hosted, Adela, correct me if I'm saying this wrong, you know, cousins, primo, prima, la tia, everybody yes. when they had no place <laughs> to go, sometimes for months, because we believe that's who we are. And so sometimes the way we define philanthropy or giving doesn't really match our culture and doesn't sort of capitalize and count the way we support each other. Mutual aid. This is something that we do all the time for everything. When somebody's sick, you know, you make a barbecue, you sell tickets, you support each other. So how generous we are, how much we support each other, we care for each other, how much we love each other, right? It's something that I want to make sure people know. And then um, the other piece is American citizens. The number one reason why sometimes people are not welcoming is because they think we are not from here and we actually are. Thank you for saying that. I think it, it is a piece of awareness that we need to talk about more and more uh, and emphasize more and more. And there we pause the first of two parts of our interview with Gigi Pedraza. Stay tuned and be sure to listen to part two, where Gigi reveals more about living in the South, challenges for nonprofits and critical issues impacting the Latino community. Thank you for joining us on Latina South podcast. If you'd like to hear someone be interviewed on a future episode, please nominate them by dropping us a line at hola at latinasouth.com. Thank you and hasta la próxima. See y'all.